why would you speak out loud? What is going on? And I realized that though Christians take prayer for granted, for many people, including people who've been in the church for a long time, prayer is a strange and weird thing. So our diaconate, that is the service arm of our church, the servants of our church, requested of me that we have a prayer service. And there they are. And they are there to pray with you and for you and talk to you about prayer. I'm going to prep that, talk briefly about prayer. But I, as I do, I want you to think about it. How do you feel about prayer? Can you imagine yourself standing up and going sitting with those people and praying or have them pray for you? Think of this as a preparation. Think of this as you getting ready to consider praying. So what is prayer? Well, Jesus, when he taught us, begins his prayer, the Lord's Prayer, with our Father. What is he saying there? He's not just saying our Father like all Christians together have the same Father. He is including himself. He is saying, my Father is now your Father, is now our Father. When Jesus invites us to pray, he is inviting us to join his prayer. He's inviting us to participate in his relationship with God. So the first thing to remember is it's a relationship. It's a connection. It is a way of participating in the divine family life of God. The koinonia is how the Bible puts it. Eternal love circulated between Father, uh, Son, and Holy Spirit for all eternity. That's what we're being invited to participate in, in prayer. But why do we pray for things to happen in the world? One of the things that we're going to do this morning is pray for people who are sick. Why would we need to do that? After all, God is omnipotent, all-powerful. Why doesn't he just fix things? Why doesn't he just heal people? Why didn't he just solve the problems of the world? Why would he need our prayers? He knows much better than us what the world needs. Well, the answer is that, yes, God is fixing the world. That's why Jesus came, to heal, to restore, to redeem. And he came as a human being. He could have shown up as an angel, could have just snapped his fingers and solved all the problems. He came as a human being because the world and everything in it was created for human beings to take care of. If you go back to the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, that's what it says. Human beings were given dominion, that is responsibility for the world, everything in it, every part of it. To be human is to be responsible to be responsible for yourself, to be responsible for, the, for your neighbors, to be responsible for other people, to be responsible for the world and for the problems of the world. And the Bible says we were not responsible. We broke our responsibility and the world and every human being fell into its current broken state as a result. And so Jesus comes as a human being to show us what responsibility looks like. 
what a fully responsible human being in relationship with God is all about. And when he teaches us to pray, he is teaching us what that looks like. That connection with God, that responsibility for the world. Jesus' miracles were not accidents. His prayers were not accidents. He was taking responsibility for what was wrong, and he was putting it right. And that's what human beings are invited to do when they become Christians. To participate in the responsibility of caring for a broken world. To help restore it. To help redeem it. To help heal it. And because of Christ, we now have access to his Father, now our Father. And so our prayers connect us with God. They allow us to become increasingly fully responsible human beings. And they allow us to participate with God in the restoration, the redemption, the healing of a broken world. That's why we pray. But there's also a specific kind of prayer. And that's what I'd, I'd like to talk about just briefly. Do we have it up there? This is from the New Testament, from the letter that James wrote. And uh, although the letter itself does not explicitly say that, this is traditionally associated with uh, Jesus' brother, James. He went on to become we learn in the book of Acts, a leader of the early church in Jerusalem. And he wrote this probably seven or ten years after Jesus' resurrection. Is any one of you in trouble? You should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. We're going to do that this morning, by the way. The elders of our church are here, and if any of you would like healing prayer and to be anointed, we're going to be doing that right here. Notice, though, what it says. It talks about the elders. Now, elders are no different from any other member of the church, any other Christian. They're not special. You know, they're not shiny. They're not particularly good. I've been working with elders for a while now, and I know that to be true. I am an elder. Um, so it's not because this command is not because elders are special people or have magical gifts or are extraordinary in some way. The reason that the elders uh, participate in healing prayer is because they are the leaders of the church, elected by you to be your leaders. And so the this is a matter of authority. It is the church claiming the true elders, Jesus, authority on behalf of God's people. When Jesus performed miracles, he wasn't fighting against the powers of darkness. He was using his authority as creator of all things to restore things to the way they were meant to be. And that's what we're doing in Jesus' name. Jesus, as a healer, was showing that he was Lord. We saw this as we went through 
the Gospel of Mark uh, before Christmas. He heals a man who is paralyzed. And he's challenged on that, and he says this. Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, get up and walk. It's all about authority. It is about the fact that Jesus is Lord, creator of all things. And when we pray, we are using, we are borrowing, we are allowing God's power to enter the world through our prayers. And God is giving us the privilege of taking responsibility to becoming fully human again. It's the way that we acknowledge who we are and actually become fully human again. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Why oil? It's not because oil is magic. It's because in the Bible, oil is associated with anointing. And it combines two ideas. The first, anointing with the Holy Spirit. When we call on God's power, God's power is released into the world through the Holy Spirit. When Christians become Christians, when they are baptized, they are cleansed by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit takes up residence in them. Our prayers are the Holy Spirit in action through us. But oil has another uh, idea, another set of ideas behind it. Oil is all about, hospital, uh, about hospitality. In the Middle East, it, it is hot and it is dry. And when people were welcomed into somebody else's home, they would be given oil. If you've ever been on the beach all day, you know how refreshing that is. The oil restores. The oil is a way of freshening a person up, receiving them after the heat and the dust of outside, bringing them home, showing them that they are welcome. And so oil is a sign that we are welcomed home. That most beautiful of uh, Psalms, Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The oil is a sign that we are going home. And when we anoint people who are sick with oil, what are we saying to them? What are we witnessing to the world? We are saying that this current state of sickness is not the way things are meant to be. This is not how God created this person or the world. And the sickness does not define anybody. It is not the final word. It is not where this person belongs. And so when we anoint somebody with oil, with the authority of God, in the name of Jesus, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we are saying to the world, 
to sickness, to death. This one does not belong to you. This one belongs to God. This one is going home. This one is safe, no matter what you do. And how, no matter how terrible the sickness or the injury, no matter how horrible the situation, one day, the beauty of this body, the vigor and vitality of this person is going to be restored as it should be forever. That's what prayer is all about. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's the promise. So, we're going to pray. Some of you are freaked out by that. So, I'd like you to stand. We are going to formally end our service with a benediction right now. Come on, stand. This is the end of the service. If you would like to go away and think about what you've heard, if you're not ready to pray, if you're not sure what it's all about, after this benediction, I'll invite you uh, to leave, and anybody can. We're not going to do the Lord's Supper today. Um, Pam and Andrew will be at the back, and they will be happy to take you to um, a local diner. You can talk to them and, uh, about what has happened. But anybody else, anybody who would like to stay, who would like to pray, after the benediction, I invite you to go find one of these groups. All right? That's easy. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to receive God's benediction. Lord, we thank you for the gift of prayer. You have taught us to pray to our Father. Your Father made our Father through your sacrifice. And Lord, you have told us that wherever two or more are gathered in your name, there you are. So Lord, uh, we're going to pray this morning, and we need your presence. We need you in our life, and we need you in our prayers. And so Lord, we invite you to be present in these groups that we're going to form. That your presence would inform our prayer, guide our prayers, empower our prayers, point us in the direction of things and people we should be praying for. Lord, uh, we need you, and we invite you into our lives and into our church this morning. And we pray for that in Jesus' name. All right, now I'm going to close us with a benediction. Remember, benediction. God's good word. Lift your heads up. Receive the good news. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each of you now and evermore. Amen. Let's go forth to serve the world as those who love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
Thanks be to God. Please greet somebody. If you want to leave, that's fine. Consider finding a group. We're going to start praying immediately. God bless.